We ought to bless the Lord that He would take time out of all eternity to love and care and know someone like us. And I love Him tonight. Psalms chapter number 73. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. I may read throughout the whole thing. I don't know. We'll just see. Uh, But I want to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And uh, we find here that the psalmist says this in verse 2, But as for me, he said, My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither. And waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. And wash my hands in innocence. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. (laughs) But I sure like verse 17. Until... I went into the sanctuary of God. (laughs) Well, we ought to act like saved, born again, Baptist right there. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Somebody ought to thank God for heaven. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. 
Right here is where the Lord has really, really spoke to my heart. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Well, I need a little help right there. The psalmist says it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. My God in heaven, what a powerful song. If God will help me, I'll take my thought from verse 28, preach through the whole, ver- the whole text. And I want to preach again on this thought. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Pray with me and for me please tonight. Father, oh God in heaven, Lord in Jesus' name, I come before you tonight, Lord, I need your help. I pray God, Lord, that you'd take over. I pray God that you'd say through me just exactly what you'd have to say. Lord, I'm enabled and incapable, Lord, of helping anybody within my own power. But God, we understand that Thy Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, uh, uh, piercing the soul asunder. And so, Lord, I pray tonight, God, that the richness and the truth of Thy blessed Word, God, would lodge in the hearts of these people. And God, it would help them today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Oh God, my voice can reach their ears. But God, we need your voice to reach their heart. Help me, dear God. And Lord, for what you do in this place, and in this message, at this time for this people, we'll kindly and most graciously thank you. And we'll praise and bless your holy name. Help us now unto that end. And for what you do, we do praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated quickly and different from what I would typically start. I want to say something uh, a little different tonight by way of introduction. I I begin to look into this thought the Lord gave me uh, from verse number 28 on tis. That's so sweet to trust in Jesus. I begin to look at that song and here's what I found out. The song tis so sweet to trust in Jesus uh, uh, written by Louisa Stead. And the, the, the course, as we've already sang, goes, uh, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise and to know thus saith the Lord. A, a little background about Louisa's stead. Uh, you can look it up. The story goes that from her childhood, uh, uh, the call to be a missionary and uh, serve in the missionary service was guiding the guiding motivation for Miss Stead. Uh, she was born in Dover, England and conferred, uh, converted at the age of nine. Uh, Miss Stead came to the United States in 1871. Miss Stead that wrote Tis So Sweet uh, to Trust in Jesus lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, she attended a camp meeting in Urbana, Ohio where she dedicated her life to be a missionary. Uh, the the, the story goes that her health prevented her uh, from serving initially, but she married in 
1975 and had a daughter by the name of Lily. Uh, can I remind you tonight what her life said? Uh, the, the, her, the story goes when the child uh, was four years of age, the family decided one day to enjoy a sunny beach uh, in Long Island Sound, New York. Uh, this is a true story. While eating uh, their picnic lunch, Miss Stead, her husband, and her daughter, Lily, uh, the, the story goes that uh, they heard cries of help and they looked out upon uh, uh, the ocean there and seen a drowning boy in the sea. Mr. Stead got from his seat, uh, left Miss Stead and his daughter Lily behind and he plunged out into those cold waters uh, uh, to try to save the struggling boy. Uh, but here's what happened to their terror. Both end up drowning. The boy in a state of panic fighting at the very one that's trying to save his life and they both lost their life right before Miss Louisa Stead's very own eyes. Lily her daughter they watched as their father and their husband drowned in the sea there at the harbor and here's how the story goes. Miss Louisa Stead went home and began to struggle and began to talk and tussle with God uh, but it wasn't very long that God give her those words uh, tears so sweet uh, to trust in Jesus my friend uh, may I say tonight uh, uh, here we have uh, uh, the story of the psalmist uh, uh, Asaph and he's living in a day and hour his time period uh, that he looks around now this ought to sound familiar uh, and he looks out upon the world uh, and he sees those who are wicked and he sees those who are ungodly and he sees those who are uh, anti-God in every way and he sees their prospering and he sees their plenty and he sees that everything uh, that seemed like could be going their way uh, was going their way and here Asaph is uh, he's trying to live for God uh, he's trying to stay uh, uh, unspotted by the world he's trying to walk uh, in righteousness according to the will and the word of God uh, and you've seen what he said we'll look at him in a moment uh, but he said every morning he's met by trouble he said every valley uh, that could be given to a man was given to him he said every problem that could be dealt uh, was dealt to him and he looks out across the land to all those uh, who know not God and he becomes angry and he becomes envious and becomes frustrated uh, by looking around and seeing uh, this one and that one that does not deserve uh, what they are experiencing while he is in the valley. Does anybody know uh, what that feels like? Uh, you see people in this life uh, uh, they're not trying to serve God. Uh, they're not trying to be faithful. They don't pray every day, read their Bible. They ain't saved by the blood. Uh, they're not faithful to the local church. Uh, if you're not careful, child of God, uh, it's easy for you and I uh, to get our ass 
eyes upon the wicked. It's easy for you and I to get our eyes upon the carnal and see the physical blessings of this world and forget about the God of glory and forget about the mercy that is new every day and forget about the pardon that's been placed in our soul. I know troublesome times are hard. I know the valleys are not always something that we embrace or enjoy. Understand that hardships come at the least expected time. I know that sorrow knocks on the door to the child of God. But hear me and hear me well. Thank God you can trust in Jesus. I'm glad, hallelujah, that we've got a God that sets me on the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sky. Above that galaxy world, there is a real place called heaven. There is a throne where the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of His Father. There is a mercy seat that's been sprinkled and been covered with the blood of the Lamb of God some 2,000 years ago. And we might not have every resource that this whole world has. And we might not have the riches that this old world has. And we might not have the reputation and the social status that those in this world have. Oh, but hear me on a November night. Thank God we've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus. This old world's not my home. I'm a pilgrim passing through. And all of my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm trying to tell you despite the sorrow despite the shame despite the situations it is so sweet to trust in Jesus Asaph he is looking around thinking Lord this is not how this is supposed to go anybody ever felt that way just be honest why me I mean I'm faithful I really, I, I'm not one of those put on Christians. I really love the Lord. I, I really do try to live right. I really do try to be faithful. And even in my, in my public life and in my private life, in my public walk and in my private walk, and you've got uh, this one at work uh, that cusses God on a daily basis, uh, and, and they ain't had to go through what you went through. Uh, their children don't have problems like your children do. Uh, they've never had to stand over the casket of somebody they love dearly. They don't get disconnect notices. They don't have to fumble through and try to get some kind of assistance to make it from one month until the next. And if you're not careful, you'll look around, child of God, and the devil will paint a pretty picture and you'll begin to envy those who walk in the shadow of damnation. I'm simply here tonight by the word of the Holy Ghost to remind you we may not have all the world has to offer, but glory be to God we we're just sojourning down here. And one of these days, our faith will become side. We can trust it in the good times. We can trust it in the bad times. We can trust Him in the storm. We can trust Him in the sunshine. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Asaph's got some problems. I want you to see these quickly by way of introduction. Number one, I want you to notice Asaph's perception. Asaph's perception. Look with me in verse number 1. Asaph, a psalm of Asaph. He said, truly, God is good. Now look at these two next words. 
to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. Look at verse 2 now. But as for me. You know what? He, he, he acknowledges that God is good. He said God's good to Israel. God's good to His own. Those who are of a clean heart. But as for me. Now just be honest. Has anybody ever found yourself in that place of life? God's good. You know He's good. But He only seems like He's being good to that one. And He only seems like He's being good to this one. And He only seems like He's being good to that church. And He only seems like He's being good to that family. And you're sitting there in the dark looking around thinking my God I'm surrounded by problems I'm surrounded by battles God is good but as for me may I say his perception is not right he begins to look around he sees the hand listen to me tonight I'm trying my best to help you he sees the hand of God in everybody else's problems he sees the hand of God in everybody else's situation but he's failing to see the hand of God in his own. Listen to me tonight, child of God. I want you to understand that when God said He'd never leave you nor forsake you, He said what He meant and He meant what He said. This old flesh and the devil lie. He'll tell you, my friend, that God's forgot about you. He'll tell you that God's neglected you. He'll tell you that God's forsaken you. He'll tell you that God has pushed you somewhere yonder and forgot about you along the journey and if you're not careful you'll believe the lie of hell you'll believe the father of all liars I'm here to remind you child of God that no matter how you feel no matter how you think no matter how determined you are that God is not doing what he said he's doing he do. I'm here to remind you you can trust him you can trust him you can somebody ought to help me tonight thank God We've got an acre of hope and we can trust in Jesus. Asaph's perception, Asaph's position. Let me tell you what happens when you start and you, you, you begin to quit trusting God. Look at verse 2. Asaph's position. He said this, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps, look here, had well nigh slipped. You know what Asaph's saying, Brother Teddy? He's looking around. He's seeing the wicked prosper. He's seeing the ungodly with riches. He's seeing those who are damned and happy about it. They're boasting. They're blaspheming God. They're cussing God. Their tongue, the Bible said in our text, went throughout all the earth cussing our God. And he's looking around. Ain't got no problems. Ain't got no struggles. And you know what happens? His perception eventually leads to a loss in position. He said in verse number 2, My feet were on almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Uh, may I say tonight, if you're trying to put your trust uh, in anything but Jesus, uh, you'll not stand very long. Uh, this whole life is too hard. Uh, this whole life's too heavy. This whole life's too difficult. This, too, this whole life's too unfair. This whole life is too discouraging. I'm glad, thank God, uh, when I got born in the family of God, uh, I didn't just get a Savior, but I got somebody that would stand beside me and would hold me up when I could not stand. He'd allow me and help me to stand. When I cannot walk another step, 
I'm in the yoke with him, he'll carry me. If I can't see the light at the end of the dark road, he's there to light my path along the way. I'm trying to tell you tonight, tears so sweet to trust in Jesus. Don't let your perception affect your position. Amen. You'll slip. You ever seen them people you can't figure out how in the world they fell off the slippery, slippery slope of sin and self? I'll tell you how. Their perception gets messed up. You start looking around this one and that one and forget what God is doing and has done for you. You're the next one to slip. You're the next one to fall. You're the next one to find yourself down there where all the heathen are at. My friend, his position was affected by his perception. Thirdly, we not only see his perception, his position, we see Asaph's perspective. Perspective. Look at verse 3. His percept, uh, his perspective. Verse three: For I was envious. Now listen, at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. But John, he's saying, here I am. I'm dependent on the Lord, and I ain't even got the strength that the wicked's got. I don't have the blessings that the world has. I don't have. I don't have the stability that the unrighteous have. He's he's looking at his perspective in verse five. He said, "They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men." He said, "Because of that, therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain." He said, "Not only are they being blessed, but they're cocky about it. They're prideful. They're flaunting." That. That my, have y'all ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, if that God is so good, and if that God loves you so much, why didn't He stop this from happening? Why didn't He prevent that from happening? Why didn't He interject Himself into that situation? Here's what I'm here to tell you tonight, friend. Your perspective will get messed up when you start trying to figure out how and why. Listen, I love the way Brother brother John, Brother Brother one of them said it. He said, we need to quit trying to I don't know why good people die with cancer. I don't know why Christian people lose their children. I don't know why godly women get cheated on by the husband. I don't know why sin seems to take over good godly homes. I can't explain why people who are faithful in church go broke and lose their homes. I can't explain to you why good saints of God get brain tumors and cancer. I don't know, but what I do know is the Bible said, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but but in everything, give thanks. This whole world's corrupt. These old bodies are defiled. We've been cursed by sin. But at the end of the day, I'm not a holding on to this whole world. I'm a holding on to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My trust is in Jesus. I want my perspective to stay on Him. If you're not careful, you'll let the, the troubles and trials of this old world get your eyes off of Jesus. His perspective. In verse 8, he said, These people are corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. 
They set their mouth against the heavens. They cuss God. He said, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, as people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out to them, and they say, How doth God know? And is their knowledge. You know what they're saying? Look here. Look in verse 11. How doth God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. I mean, he's not just dealing with uh, lost people. He's dealing with God haters. Uh, they're cussing God. Uh, in verse 11, they're challenging God. Have you ever seen them people? They don't care how much you love God. They don't respect you. They don't respect your God. They don't respect your church. They'll cuss your God right to your face. Uh, they can care less. Uh, and you look around uh, and they're the one with a nice home. And they're the one with a nice truck. And they're the one with healthy children. And here you are dragging around uh, trying to get something to stay running long enough to get to work at home. Here you are getting cut off notices every month. Here you are and your kids just fighting battle after battle after battle. And you're looking around and you say, my God, I'm trying to live for God. And here we are. These God-hating, God-cussing fools are prospering. If you're not careful, your perspective will get on carnal things. And it'll get off Christ. I say, bless God, let them have uh, the whole world. I'll take Jesus every time. They can have this old world. It's all going to burn up. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Brother Dax will tell you this. We were preaching at uh, at the fellowship where Brother Jonathan shook and Brother Jerry called me up. He said, I want to take you to a good knife store. He bought me this right. knife right here. That's a pretty knife. It's a carbon blade. I mean, uh, I mean that's, a, that's a nice one. It's a $90 knife. He bought me a knife. We was in that old store, that old boy. He's cussing you know, going on. Whatever. I didn't deal with that. You about got to be able to deal with it. He's cussing you there yonder. I didn't say nothing to them. We got that close, started looking at knives, and he dropped GD. And I, whew, something cringed in me, and I just walked off, started looking at something else, and I heard it again, GD. I walked off again, I said, Lord, you're going to help me, but I'm going to have to say something if this old boy does it one more time. Lo and behold, we got to the counter and hit my knife with Jared's pain, and he dropped another. And I looked him dead in his eyeballs. I said, sir, I'd really appreciate it if you wouldn't cuss my God. He said, I'm sorry I offended you. I said, no, sir. Don't be sorry you offended me. I said, I don't matter. You've offended him. He'll tell you. I looked him right in his eyeballs. He's a little burly man. He melted. I looked at Dennis eyeballs and said, Sir, if you don't get saved by the crimson blood of Calvary and repent of your sin and trust Christ to save you, you're going to bust hell. Why? I did. Word for word. He just melted. He said, I'm sorry if I upset you. I said, No, sir. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because there is a God in heaven that loves you. Yeah, 
I said, I don't care how how wrong you are, how many crimes you've committed. I said, it does not make a difference. There is a lovely Savior that died on the cross for the ungodly, and He'll save you if you'll let Him. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you tonight, this old world, we can't envy them. We can't look at them and see all their stuff and envy where they are. My friend, they need help tonight. If your perspective is the wrong way, and it's looking at the world in the wrong uh, perspective, the wrong way. You're going to envy the very ones that need what you've got. Amen. There's people that got way more money than us. They got nicer homes, nicer cars. They got better health. They got all these things, but they're missing the one thing they really need, and you've got it. Amen. Now, so how are you going to share the gospel with the world that you're envious of? You know what happens when you quit trusting Jesus and you get your affections on the things of this world? You will set cold on God and people that's on their way to hell quick, fast, and in a hurry will go straight to hell and they'll never hear what you have to tell them. I was not rude to that man. I was broken hearted and I meant exactly what I said. I said, if you don't trust him, you'll bust hell wide open, sir. He died for you. He loves you. Listen, I don't know why God nudged me other than I, had, I was there by divine appointment. And I may be the only man that's ever looked that old fella in his eyeballs and told him that God loves him. I'm not taking any responsibility or credit for nothing. I'm just trying to tell you that there's Christians all over the world who's got the key to open the door of joy and love and peace and gentleness and meekness and kindness and goodness and mercy and grace, but they're so caught up in carnality that they're never telling the world about Christ. If you're, if you're not careful, you will set your affections on the things of this world to the point that you completely lose your trust and faith in Jesus. Not only do we see these things, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to say if you live your life, your Christian life, envying the world and the wicked ones in it, it will not be long until you're in the same position they are. Look at verse 2 quickly. If I get my points good, I hope I do, but look at verse number 2. Asaph said, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Look at verse 18. Now he's talking of the wicked ones, the worldly, the ones he was envious of. God's opened his eyes in verse 17, verse 18. He said, Surely thou didst set them in what? Slippery places. In verse 2, he said, As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Verse 18, the wicked are in slippery places. You know what he says in the Scripture, Brother John? Because his affections were set on the world and his ideology was to look at those in the world and his, and his thought process was not that of heavenly thoughts. It was carnal thoughts that before long he didn't just envy them. He ended up where they were. May I say once your eyes are set upon Sodom it won't be long until your imagination turns into relocation you'll be the next one to slip out you'll be the next one to slump over you'll be the next one to look that we look back on and say boy I sure don't know what happened to them I remember they were serving God I'm trying to tell you you've got to learn to trust Jesus 
Asaph's feet end up slipping because his faith slipped. When you lose faith in God, your feet's going next. It's going to take you down the slippery slope of sin. Can I say Asaph knew those who were prospering were foolish. Look at verse 3. I'm going to go real quickly give you my points and we'll go home. He said, I was envious at the foolish. Look on. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Look at verse 6. Therefore pride compasseth them. They were foolish, wicked, prideful. Look at verse 8. They are corrupt. Verse 12. Behold, these are ungodly. Why in the world would a man that knows the group of people he is envying and focusing on wishing he was like are foolish, wicked, prideful, corrupt, and ungodly? Why does he reach this point? I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready? Look at verse 13. He said, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. Why is he envy then? Number one, his motives are wrong. Is everybody still with me? This is kind of preaching, this pastoral preaching that's going to help you survive the Christian life. Are you listening? Yes, sir. If you're not trusting in God in all areas every day of your life, as soon as trouble comes your way and you look over at so and so and they're prospering, you're confused, you're, you're swayed, you're moved, you're, you're rocked. You're, have you ever heard somebody say it? Rock my world. My God, we're supposed to be solid, we're supposed to be steadfast. Unmovable, unwavering, not giving in to temptation, not giving in to the world's ways and opinions. I'm trying to tell you the reason that Christian people, good God fearing Christian people, end up out there is because somewhere along the journey they put their faith and trust in something other than Jesus. His motives were wrong. He's doing the right thing. Are you looking? He's doing the right thing in verse 13, but he's doing it the wrong way. Why is that? Verily I have cleansed my heart. But look what he says next. But it is in vain. And I washed my hands in innocent. His motives were wrong. Look here. His emotions were winning. Is everybody with me? Look at verse 15. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of the You know what he's saying here, Dad? He's saying, I want to talk about this, but I can't even talk about it because when I do, I know what somebody's going to think. I'm going to offend somebody. I'm going to bother them. You know what he's acting on, Brother Chuck? He's acting on his emotions. The Christian life uh, based upon your emotions. I understand that emotions are a part of the Christian life. I mean, the reason we cry and we laugh is because what God's done for us. The Spirit works on the emotions. I understand that. But my friend, if that's how you're operating, it's by feeling and not by faith. Uh, If you're not trusting in Christ, uh, uh, but you're only glorifying and blessing His name when you feel like it, or when so-and-so's not against you, or you're not down in the gully, you're not going to make it very long. You've got to trust Him in spite of your emotions. His motives are wrong. His emotions are winning. And His mindset is weak. Look at verse 16. God, give me every bit of this. He said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He said, I began to look at the ways of the world. Then I began to look at my Christian life. He said, when I thought to understand it, to know it, to figure it out, it was too painful for me. 
Brother John, let me tell you something. There's some things y'all been through. You ain't never going to get an understanding about. Right, right. It's just facts. Yes, sir. And God's given me to you as your pastor. As long as you're sitting here, I'm going to do my dead little best to pastor you. There's some things that y'all have been through. Right. You are never going to understand. Amen. I'm not trying to give you bad news. I'm giving you real, realistic news. Right. You're not going to ever yeah. get a grasp on that. Yeah. Right. But here's what you better be grasp on. I don't know, but he does. Amen. But do you get victory in that and just say, you know what, Lord? I don't know, but tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Are y'all listening to this? There's people here, you're going to go through some very deep, dark storms. And if you're not careful, your mindset's going to become weak. Your emotions are going to begin to win. And your motives are going to get wrong. Are you listening to me? And you're going to look at that situation. And you can't wrap your mind around it. Your emotions are haywire. Your mind has went crazy. And your motives will become corrupt. If you don't learn how to trust in Jesus. Listen, we're not going to figure it all out over here. But thank God there is a day over yonder. Where God will fold out the carpet of our lives. And explain that His hand was in all of them. His hand was in the good times. His hand was in the bad times. His hand was in your rejoicing. His hand was in your mourning. His hand was in your understanding. His hand was in your confusion. And all things work together for the good to them that love God and to the call according to His purpose. Amen. I'm telling you, you're going to get on a slippery slope if you let your motives be wrong, your emotions win and your mindset become weak. May I say, Asaph is without a doubt in a bad place. He's messed up spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. It's all because of how good the world seemed to have it while he was going through troubles and trials. May I say, when Christianity becomes about anything but Christ, you're headed down a slippery slope. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. May I remind you everything this old world has to offer is temporal and vain. Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If I, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not things of on the earth. Can I say this tonight? Listen, hear me and hear me well. There ain't nothing in this life that's better than serving Jesus. I need everybody's approval and agreement. There ain't nothing better than serving Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing better. May I say it's time for God's people to place their faith and trust back in the Lord Jesus. Quit living and looking at the false hope of this world and start looking for the blessed hope that's coming in the sky. If you really lived your life every day like this could be and probably will be the day He's coming, you'd be pretty encouraged about every day no matter what you were faced with. So can I give you something quickly and we'll go home? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Number one, I've got one point. That's it. And a few sub points. How? This is real simple. Brother Teddy, how are you going to learn? See, we sing that song. I learn to trust Him. Where are you going to learn? How are you going to learn to trust Jesus? Are you ready? Number one, my one and only point, be faithful to church. Amen.
It can't be that simple. Look at verse 17. You've seen all that's going on, don't you? In the first 16 verses. He's a mess. He's envious. He's mad. He's jealous. He's upset. He's, his, his brain is fried. He's in pain. He can't understand. And he said, all this in verse 16 was too painful for me. Look at verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. In order to trust Jesus, you must, number one, be faithful to church. Can I say in verse 16, Asaph was heavy. Verse 17, Asaph was helped. May I say it's amazing what God, uh, what, what, it's amazing what going to church, what God will do and can do for somebody in the house of God. Asaph said he was in pain when looking at the world until, uh, versus him, until he went to the church. Uh, you want to know what's going on? Uh, you want to know how to get victory? You want to know what the church can do for you? Uh, I can say this tonight. I can assure you the house of God will help you learn to trust in Jesus. When Asaph went to church, I'm going to give them to you quickly. We'll go home. What happened when Asaph went to church, brother John Trout man? Number one, when he went to church, he got clarity. Y'all ever get confused about life and come to church and God just figured all out, straightened out for you? He got clarity. Verse 17, he said, Until I went to the sanctuary, then understood I. Verse 18, he said, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Verse 19, how? He said, uh, How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream. When one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. He said, It was not until I went to church that I got clarity. I gained understanding that yes, they had everything the world had. Yes, they had the riches. Yes, they had the, had the rewards. Yes, they had the reputation but the end of their life was destruction you know what God will do for you in this place he'll get your affections back on things that matter he'll get them on eternal things you know what, you know what you're doing here tonight some of y'all come in with your mind fuzzy and bogged down you know what God's doing tonight he's giving you clarity don't get focused on this old world amen I mean, somebody ought to quit act like a, like a Methodist Presbyterian nun and just get real happy that this old world is not the final resting place for the child of God. Matter of fact, if you've been saved, this old world is as close to hell as you'll ever get, neighbor. I'm trying to tell you tonight that look up, lift your head, walk in the love in the, in the and the joy of the Lord. This thing ain't over. It's just starting for us. It's just starting for us. He went to church. He got clarity. Guess what else he got when he went to church? He got convicted. Look at verse 21. God's giving clarity. All them people, yeah, they look like they got it all figured out, but they're damned. They're desolate. Verse 21, he said, Thus, because God gave me clarity, my heart was grieved. Look here. I was pricked in my reins. Any of y'all know what that feels like? Yeah. The Holy Ghost comes to your pew and goes, doink. He said, I, I started out. Now, y'all remember how he started this song, don't you? Yeah. He's envious. Yep. He's mad. 
He's upset. Life ain't fair. I'm doing right. They're doing wrong. They're getting blessed. I'm getting broke. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying to you tonight? He, he goes from the one extreme to the other. How? He went to church. When he went to church, he got clarity. Number two, he got convicted. He said, I got grieved. You know what church is a good place for God to do? Church is a good place. You know what we are here, don't you, Brother John? This is the Beatles D.Y. body of Christ. We're all members of His body. You know what happens when the body comes together? Can I tell you this? If you're not faithful to being in the body of Christ, you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to see all this. You're going to see your wounds. You're going to see your wounds. You're going to see your scars. But if you'll come together in the body of Christ, you know what this place is good for? Getting your mind off your wounds and getting your mind on His wounds. Amen. Are you listening to me? Oh, doubt. Listen to me. Oh, doubt. Thomas, you know why he couldn't believe? He didn't say so sweet to trust in Jesus. They tried to tell him. They said, hey, Thomas, Jesus has rose from the dead. He's alive and well. He said, yeah, I can stick my finger in the holes in his hands and the, and the, and the hole in his side. He said, I can't believe that. And here's what happened a few days later. Thomas decides to get up and go to church. Guess who shows up? The one that's supposed to. Jesus shows up again. And here comes Thomas. He said, he stuck his finger and he said, oh, Lord, it's you. And the Lord looked at him and said, blessed are they which have not seen and believe. But, but Thomas, you know what he figured out? If he had been in the body with the body the first time, he could have felt the wounds of the Savior. But because he was out of the body, he was out of the assembly, he missed out as his his affections were on himself instead of Jesus. This is a good place to get convicted when you realize it ain't about us. It's about him. Clarity. He got convicted. Number two, he became considerate. Look at verse 22. Y'all okay? I'm still, I'm still doing okay on my time. Just give me a few minutes. Look at verse 22. You know what he says about himself? He said, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. But John, he goes from being entitled to calling himself an ignoramus, a fool, and a beast. Ain't that what God does? Are y'all still with me? Yes, sir. It's all about him at the beginning of this psalm. By the time we get to verse 22 when he goes to church, you know what he said? I'm just an old fool. I'm just a beast. He said, I ain't nothing but ignorant. Lord, I'm sorry. Can I tell you why it's important for you to be here? To learn who we really are. When you come to church and this thing's all about Christ and you see how good He is, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance, you'll see that we ain't nothing but a worm. You'll start, you won't start feeling like God owes you something when you realize how good He is compared to how awful we are. He got became considerate. But not only did he get clarity and convicted and become considerate at church, he got comforted. Yes, sir. Dad, I, I hope tonight, somehow or another, coming in here, it's comforted you. Yes. It has me. Church is, listen to me, church is a real good place to find comfort. Amen. Look at verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. He ain't thinking like this until he went to church. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand, by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I 
desire beside thee. He got comforted. Can I say this? Asaph got comforted in number one, his position. Verse 23 said, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. He got comforted in his possession. Verse number 23 said, Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Verse uh, 24, he was comforted in his path. He said, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Then he's comforted with the promise. Verse 24, he said, And afterward, uh, you'll receive me to glory. He was comforted concerning the prize. Verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. He was comforted in his problems at church. Verse 26, he said, My flesh and my heart faileth. I've got trouble on every side. But he goes on to say, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Y'all see that in your text. That's line by line, precept by precept, verse by verse, Bible expository preaching. And it'll help you if you'll let it. Can I tell you, by going to church, he got comforted. But lastly, and I'm done, when he went to church, he learned to trust Jesus because he got closer. Look in verse 27. This is it. Done. Verse 27, he said, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. You know why you should go to church? It's going to help you learn to trust Jesus because this is the place where you'll get closer to God. Listen to me and I'm done. If you're content where you are with God tonight, you're probably nowhere near where you should be. You know, every time I get real good and close to God, it makes me want to get closer. It does, yeah. Right every time I feel Him touch me, it makes me want to get any closer the next time. Right, man. Never understood this mentality of, well, me and God have our own thing going. I'm, I'm all right. I've heard that kind of stuff. You have too. Folks, let me tell you something. People that have that mentality and they're sitting in anything by believing, agree with you, dispensational, fundamental, King James only, Bible believing Baptist churches all across the world. And here's their mentality. I'm as far as I'm going with God because I'm, I'm content where I'm at. Let me tell you something. Those same people, when they get hit in the face with heartache and trouble and trials, they slip. You know why? Because they're not trusting in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Brother Shelby, do you know how to get me a song, find me a song? I want us to stand tonight. I'm done. Thank you for your time. I want to ask you tonight, are you really trusting it? I want this message to help you and be an encouragement to you. Are you really trusting Him tonight? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.